Welcome to the Creative Plan Podcast Network. Join us as we share our favorite RPGs, one-shot games, tabletop games, reviews of items, and convention panels, and other exciting things that we run into from time to time. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Kelly, a.k.a. Trixie from Ragnarok and Roll, a sign to Ragnarok story, and Tilda Wimblewick from D&D Journey of the 5th Edition. First off, I would just like to say thank you to everyone for listening to our varied adventures, as well as for rating us on iTunes and RPGpodcast.com. If you haven't rated us yet, we would greatly appreciate it if you could. And if you're looking for more ways to support our efforts, we are now on Patreon, a great site where you can help us continue making more podcasts, as well as some special surprises for our patrons. If you can, please look us up at www.patreon.com cppn. Every little bit helps. And again, thank you for listening. They're working their way towards you. <laughs> See, I'm wearing the same outfit on my pictures. Very good. That was a very conscious decision. <laughs> what I'm hearing is the bow tie is, is your brand. I, I guess it is, yes. Then own it. I own it. So I bought this shirt and the tie right before a job interview, and I went and interviewed in this outfit, and I got the job. So it's a, it's a, good, look, it's a yes. good look combination. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was work. Uh, the job was for being a peer support specialist for uh, children with autism. Oh. Yeah. So I work in I worked in the behavioral health field for six years. So um, I always liked working with kids. So I went, I got tired of working with adults, and I started working with the kids. That was great until they stole my laptop. That, oh. that was great. <laughs> I got That's it back. So great. <laughs> I got it back. <laughs> Are there procedures you can learn for? Uh, I do science presentations. I don't have training in special ed. And occasionally in camp, I will get one or two real dillies. Um, there's te- teaching techniques you can use that, to deal with um, the severe ones. <laughs> that I don't know. Um, I, having worked with adults, it was kind of an easy transition for kids. The beginning. Writing the first draft. Just write okay, the damn yeah. thing. Just finish, finish the damn thing. Finish the damn thing. Okay. <laughs> all about That's that. That's the key. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have any use for that, do you? No, not at all. Bye. See, it's going to happen. It's, it's haunted. It's haunted. Oh, you're taking a real chance there. Well, see, I didn't know this was a thing I could do, so this is my very first panel. Live and learn. Yay! I'm living and learning. Thank you. Thank you. Just, big tricks, make sure you just not got a drink behind it, just in case. Yes, that, that's why I'm holding it now. <laughs> when it, when it yeah, fell. bottle's okay, but... Mm-hmm. You're trying to set me up for failure, that's what's going on. You could use this. Aww. Oh, oh perfect. perfect! See, I told you that it was magic. She's right. You're welcome. I am. Felt a bond. <laughs> I am. I'm totally Immediately right. nuzzled right into it. She's like, oh, here we go. Notes are good. It's a I, um, 
Well, I think maybe we should just start, and if Paul can join us, he can join us. Yeah. Who are we missing? Uh, Paul Klinko. Do we have a chair? Uh, I haven't seen him today yet. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, we have another chair on the end over here if he comes. Well, I'm not going to suggest writers are scatterbrained, but oh, I that for they are. Like yep. Should, uh, should we just start? Yes. yes. Introduce ourselves. Okay, yes. Uh, good morning, or maybe now afternoon, everyone. Uh, welcome <laughs> to the Tuscon 2019, the 46th Tuscon. Uh, this panel is just finished the damn thing, the importance of completing that first draft. Um, so I think we're all going to introduce ourselves and uh, tell you all why we're very interested in completing the first draft. We'll go this way and start this way. Uh, my name is Larry Hammer. I write fiction and poetry and translate poetry. And... All right. Uh, my name is KJ Kabza. I write short fiction, science fiction, and fantasy, although I'm in the midst of, result of uh, revising a novel right now. I'm very invested in finishing the first draft because um, I've written a lot of short fiction, something like 80-some stories, and if I can't finish the first draft, then I don't get to write any more. <laughs> uh, I'm Cameron D. Blackwell. Uh, I am a fiction writer of urban fantasy, fantasy, sci-fi, and horror. Right. And uh, I've been writing since the fourth grade, and I know all about wrestling with the first draft. I have so many. <laughs> Hi, I'm Linda Addison. I have books, I have awards, and all that stuff. Uh, but anyway, I am like to be to think of myself as the queen of the f worst first drafts ever. <laughs> yes, yes, my children. I work for that hard. <laughs> and why finish it? Because who doesn't want to see their name in print? Come on, man. <laughs> so, um, Tuscan panels don't really have a moderator. Since I was just the person to get the panel started, I think I'm stuck with it now. Um, so I, can... I think you're doing a great job. <laughs> All right, great. Um, so I'll, I'll continue to do that. Okay, uh, so I guess I would first like to ask uh, all the panelists, is writing the first draft the easiest or the hardest part of the writing process for you, and why do you think that is? Want me to start? <laughs> sure. <laughs> you are the queen. I am. Yes, I am. Thank you for recognizing. Um, because if you don't finish it, you can't get anywhere from there. You got to finish it. So for me, I realized that real early on. And um, like I said, the reason I call myself the queen of it, because I literally rushed to the end. And I'm not a person who does an outline that doesn't work for me. I like to just sort of write organically. So I've been in a writer's group since 1990, and I'm, that's where I got my crown. Um, because <laughs> my first draft would be da-da-da-da-da-da, and then a box, something really bad happens, and then da-da-da-da-da, and I just keep going. I don't need to get the characters' names. I don't care about grammar. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I just want to get the story down. Because I believe that once you get the story down, then the, your sub super whatever conscious you want to call it, can then go, okay, now I got that down, let's do more. So I rush as fast as I can to the end. That's why they're so bad. <laughs> For me, I feel the first draft is difficult because I am constantly telling myself how awful it is, and I am a perfectionist. I want to do everything perfect the first time. I kind of don't like hard work, so if I find that the first draft is too hard, I'm like, no, I don't like it, but if I really like the story, I gotta keep going. And there's always that potential to self-edit while you're writing. And for me, that kind of kills my drive, and then the first draft is dead. And what I've learned is you can't fix anything that doesn't exist. If it's not. <laughs> 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 if there's no, you gotta get to the end. You gotta get to the end. And whatever you need to do to get there, just get there. And then worry about making it better. Yes. Do you have uh, thoughts about that? First draft, easiest or hardest, and why? Uh, first draft is easiest for me. Easiest, okay. Um, because I write to find out what the story is. I'm telling the story to myself and writing it down. And so, hey, I'm telling myself story, great. That makes, that's the easy part. Um, the hard part for me is the editing, because now I know the story. Mm. Okay. <laughs> I'm one that I don't have the, oh, hey, what happens next, what happens next? 
Yeah. So I, so I, I have to I have to be really conscious. Okay, but in chair, let's fix this. <laughs> so I, I find I find this interesting because you mentioned that you don't outline, and for you, like the first draft is like great because you're telling yourself a story. And our queen of bad first drafts over here. Same uh, thing. But but you said that you do outline. No, I said just, I don't. Oh, okay, I misheard you. Never yeah, mind. I don't um, outline. I do. Okay. I am. Um, I, I don't know if everybody's familiar with the terms plotter and pantser and planter, <laughs> which is a combination of plotter uh, and... Feel, feel free to define in case anybody does. All right, yes. so a plotter is someone that outlines um, from start to finish, uh, kind of like pre-writing the story, which is what we were all taught in school. You write a first draft, you know, you have an outline, and then blah, 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 and anything else follows. Pantsers are people that write by the seat of their pants. They don't plot anything. They just let things happen. <laughs> They're kind of like an observer. Things are happening, and they're like, oh, this is cool. Um, a planter is someone that is a combination of both, uh, where they will plot out a little bit, but not too much that takes them, like that, that gives them too much specificity, that gives them room to really kind of, you know, let things develop. I used to be a panzer, and then I realized that my first drafts just kept going and going and going. I worked on the same story for three years because I just had no idea. Um, and then in 2009, I'm like, you know what, I need to really, I, I want to see the end, uh, the end of the first draft. So I'm going to plot everything that happens. And then I was able to figure out where the story was going. And that's kind of what I do now. You know, I, I plot. I didn't know about that third one. That's cool. Planter? That's something I, I think I invented, but I probably didn't. I, I've heard. Planter. So, yes. There are actual animals associated with the, the terms as well. Oh are you thinking of Pokemon? No. <laughs> so there's, What's the animal that's, that's with the person who just like writes organically? What's the animal is that? Uh, they are a panther. Oh, panther. Okay. Panther, plant, panther. I'm in uh, with that. Water otters. And um, planters are penguins for some reason. Wow. <laughs> I like being a panther. Yes. <coughs> Panther, panthers are fierce. That's so cool. Well, I right. didn't know that. Uh, so, so, so listening to like uh, the the outline versus don't. Um, do, would you say that outlining is hard, like the first draft, because it's still part of the writing process? And if if not, why is it different? Well, for most people, I hear complaining about outlining is that they're already writing the story. So you outline the story and then you write all the narrative and the and the dialogue. You're like, you're writing it twice. Essentially, you're writing it twice. Why would you do all that extra work? And as, as someone that doesn't like to do extra work, ironically, I like plotting because I need a roadmap to know where I'm going. And I'm also kind of a control freak. So I also need to know everything that's going to happen as I go along. I think it, for me, it's like whatever gets the thing done. Yes. So, <laughs> so I stayed away from novels for years. I've published a lot of poetry and, and short stories and novellas because I was terrified. I was terrified if I started a novel, I would never finish it. It would just, I would be lost in space like a Bermuda Triangle. So the first time I wanted to do a novel, I did outline it. And it just, it was, again, because I write so organically, it didn't help me really because I didn't follow the outline when I sat down to write it. So I think you really just have to do whatever works for you. And I've been told different things work differently. So I haven't yet hit a thing that I needed to do an outline. But I will tell you what I've gotten in the habit of doing now that I'm playing with novels. I kind of like to have a beginning and kind of a sense of the ending, but I don't, I don't stick to the end. But it kind of gives me that light frack, you know, sort of light framework. So like you know you want to go to a particular destination, but if you go somewhere close to that, that's also fun. Or not close, or whichever. Not close. Whatever gets me to the end, I'm like, okay, I'm in. So, um, so what has been mentioned before on the panel is do whatever, whatever it takes to get to the end of the first draft, whatever works. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I would like to get right to that. What are cheap tricks you use? What are things you use to bribe yourself? What are techniques you use to get to the end of the first draft? Um, this is just any kind of advice you got. Big I, one, I don't have any because getting to the end is my reward. <laughs> I'm finding out what the story is. 
So my, my <laughs> trick is... surprised by your endings? Uh, when I first find out what they are, and that'll usually be about, oh, three quarters of the way through, I find like something happens that startles me, and I realize, oh, that's where we're going. <laughs> I feel the same and way. The rest like of the sleigh ride to get there. I like being surprised where some writers need to know where they're going. Um, the, one of the tricks that I found very useful, and it, and it really does help if you want to make it the worst draft ever, which I think <laughs> you should attain for, because then you keep that editor quiet, mm -hmm. um, is I'll ask myself, and now what can go wrong? Mm -hmm. And now what can go wrong? So if I feel stuck, and even if it's the most outrageous thing that doesn't seem to make sense, it gets you going, it keeps you going. So that's my trick. What can go wrong? Why is this thing that looks reasonable actually the worst thing? That yeah, how's that going to break? <laughs> <laughs> Why is that wrong? Yeah. <laughs> what that's, was that mistake? Uh, I really liked seeing the end at the end of my novel because that has eluded me for the first like 20 years of my writing career is so it's not something that has worn out as novelty yet it's still something that <laughs> it's novelty oh. Oh. I got jokes you got so many wet noodles, so many noodles. <laughs> um, yeah so I still get a buzz when I get to type the end and it's actually the end uh, so that is my reward, and then I get to brag on to everybody on Twitter. I just finished something else, <laughs> and they're like, "Really?" And piss everybody else off who hasn't. Right? <laughs> Literally, when people put on Facebook, and my favorite is Jonathan Mayberry because I love him. He'll be like, "And I did ten thousand words a day." I'm like, "He's really like forty-five <laughs> so." What the TF? Right. <laughs> I love you, but I'm going to cut you. Amazing! <laughs> How did you know that was my tagline? <laughs> I've been cutting people since 2009. <laughs> so uh, some cheap tricks that I, that I haven't heard mentioned that I will throw out there because yes. you haven't said yet. Um, a big thing that a lot of writers do, um, including myself, is they insert brackets or certain punctuation or keywords in their text, which they can do like a search for later that indicates, I'm just gonna come back in and fix this later. If you don't know a character name, if there's a piece of research that you don't understand that you haven't done yet, um, anything, I will just use like the square brackets and I'll put like, you know, research moon phases or something like that. Um, or, you know, what, what tools would this culture have used at this point in history or something, mm -hmm. um, or, or something similar. Um, and it makes it much easier to go back later and find all of the all of the stuff you didn't find. Um, name one, name two, name three, name four. Yeah, that's I do C one, C two, C three. Any kind of system you have to go and fill back in will help you, especially if you're prone to in the middle of the draft going like, "Wait, I need to check Wikipedia," and then you're gone for forty five minutes, Ooh, and then you're yeah, actually writing. Only so, forty five. Only five. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I don't do that because I find that most of my fiction is made up so whatever I'm writing I'm just making it up on the spot I'm like okay well I don't really need to research that because only I know what it is so bleh. it can't be somebody on well actually I'm like, no I don't need that <laughs> so um, but I do get distracted by Twitter a lot um, that's another thing um, I find that writing at home has too many distractions for me. Mm. So I usually do my best writing where I'm somewhere else. Somewhere else where I have no choice but to occupy myself by writing. Um, usually when I'm writing at home, I get drowsy. I write a word or a sentence. I'm like, oh, I need to take a nap. And the bed's right there going, come to me. <laughs> but if I'm at like Black Crown Cafe, I mean, that's where my favorite place is to, to write. I'm like, well, I just have to sit here and listen to Susie and the Banshees and watch people and write. And write. So, and KJ, did you have some more tricks? Because um, I used the bracket one too. The bracket, yes. Yeah, I did. Um, I did. Do you want me to? I please. No. Yes. <laughs> so I, uh, yes. I want to echo what, what Cameron said about um, writing in an environment with other people. So I don't always get distracted in my house. I find that mixing up where I write can help because I can like. I can sort of trick my brain if I go into a different venue going, no, it's a fresh start. This time, you're really going to be a productive person. And all the like the weird anxiety baggage I have from writing in the place where things didn't go well is like forgotten by me. Mm -hmm. And if you have like a set of places where like you rotate among, you can keep your environment fresh, but also keep yourself away from any kind of distractions or bad associations or whatever. 
Uh, I also find that helping it helps to write among other writers or friends oh, who are doing yeah. something creative. We've done that. So yeah, it's so amazing. like um, Linda and I and some other local writers have a yes. group where we we get together once a month um, and write in a library. And there is nothing that makes you feel the pressure to create by being with other people who you know are also creating. Yep. And, and you go, rule, oh God, I don't want to be that person. And so what then, the rule is, the rule is when we get there, you can talk for five minutes and then no talking. Oh my God, I die. For two hours. It was, it's awesome. I feel Some like, people are better at this rule than others, but I think yes. that shame gets us, you know. And me being the oldest of nine, I'm always willing to go, ah. <laughs> I have no shame. I don't care. I would listen Stop to talking. you. Yeah, you would. That, that makes it hard to walk away. Yes. Yeah. And in the silence and everyone else's, you kind of got it. Right. It's fun. <laughs> and, uh, one, one thing that I will do is right during my lunch hour at my day job, mm. and I've got one hour to get things done. And if I waste the first 30 minutes noodling around, I don't get that back. So I gotta start writing quickly. And once That's I good. actually get into the writing, I can keep writing. So I um this this is this is not my story, this is something I just heard last weekend. Uh, so last weekend I presented panels at uh, Tucson Comic Con and um, we were doing a writing panel and uh, a woman in the audience said, Well, for my job I work from home, but I work as like a member of a call center and I never know how long I will have between calls and that's when I write and it forces me to be productive because when I when I hang up the phone I either have time to write one sentence or maybe I have 10 minutes and I can do more than that um, which I find horrifying because it takes me like 10 or 15 minutes to warm up but you work, you work within the constraints you have there are some people who do well at writing sprints I don't know if you've all heard of this the idea is like set a timer for like 15 minutes and then go write as many words as you possibly can and um, it just Helps you get it out. We have that. We, we call them word wars. Uh, we have a hand raised. Yeah, KJ, I just want to pick up on on that point of writing in spaces because I had a friend when I was living in Oklahoma who had a similar kind of job where his boss said to him, "I don't care what you're doing when you're not answering a call. So if if it's two minutes and you do something else, that's fine." If it's an hour, that's fine, but when the phone rings, you had better answer. And we yeah. found a way to make that work. Yeah, Along with KJ said about the fast writing, I call it um, um, doing like writing seeds in a way. Like when I get stuck on something, I, 15 minutes is a long time to keep the hand moving, which is what that's really originally was called, to keep your hand moving, is even if it's just three minutes. You know, if you get, for me, when I get stuck on something, I already have something in mind, right? A story, a character, something's happening, and all of a sudden I'm sitting there and I don't know what's gonna happen, and if the what can go wrong doesn't work, then I'll set a timer and just go. And then you're just letting, there's a panel tomorrow on subconscious writing, which I'm on, which is like such a strange title, I can't wait. So, <laughs> but then it's, it really is like, if you're just writing anything that comes and you have to keep going, and then when that timer is over and you go back and look, you will find some really interesting seeds in there that you can then apply to keep you moving forward. So I like that too. And I think that's a really good uh, point is things to keep moving forward. Because um, I, I have a difficult time of when the inspiration is gone or when the idea is gone and I stall and I just don't know what else to do. People say, oh, we'll just skip to another scene. I can't do that. <laughs> I cannot. Because I also hate going back and filling in all the stuff that I put in, in the future. I'm like, no, I can't. I can't do that. I have, I'm a linear writer. But I need to figure out how to circumnavigate that. So I think the stream of consciousness writing, which I've also heard that called, will definitely help me. Because yeah. it doesn't have to be associated with whatever it is I'm writing, but I can use whatever that is in there. So is there, is there anybody else on the panel uh, who is not a linear writer who finds that skipping around can be effective for keeping the momentum going? Okay, so can you, can you talk about that? I knew it was gonna be you, because you and I do. Yeah. I have to be careful. If I go too far forward, I've told myself too much of the story. Okay. Ah. <laughs> and I lose some of the spark. Yeah, I'm not But sometimes, okay, I know something bad's gonna happen here, I'll go on to the next, what happens next morning, and from there learn what happened that bad, what bad thing happened, and I can come back to it. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm like super sloppy. I just keep moving. I just like, I'll figure it out. I'll keep going. I keep going. And I've, I've actually <laughs> written like beginning and the end of the story. And I'm like, ooh, I can't do something in between. But, you know, <laughs> so I'm just like all over the place. Like whatever gets me to the end is what I do. As you said, the editing is where the hard work comes. It's really, you know, that's that's the super hard work. You have to, out of all of this big, messy thing I've written out, okay, the ending has this, it needs this piece and this piece and this piece, and it's missing something here, it's missing something here. Let's pull out the stuff that doesn't belong, insert new stuff that'll yeah. make this ending make sense. And okay, this character just did something completely different in the first half of the book. They're like two different characters, and all the fixes you have to do. Yeah, the edit is the work, but it's worth it. You had your hand up, sir. I'll just uh, comment that may parallel some of the things you're doing. I'm not a writer, I invent science toys. But if you think inventors don't, you invent science toys? Yes, but if you oh think inventors God, don't awesome. procrastinate, you don't know any. <laughs> uh, the what you're saying just reminded me of something I've been through. I have a new prototype of a thing. It's about three quarters done, and it's just been sitting on the mm. shelf. So I called my best customer and said, I have this. Are you interested? Because if he says, no, you know, it'll stay on the shelf. But this time he went, I want that on my desk in a week. <laughs> so... Um, all of a sudden, I'm inspired again. Let's <laughs> <laughs> do it. Right? You, you bring up a really good point about deadlines. Deadlines. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, though, some people find deadlines very intimidating, but for a lot of people that can really force them to, um, you know, to produce something on time. So whether it's an editor or a client or a publisher or something asking for something, or even a friend that holds you accountable that you can check in with every yes. day or week or month, or maybe maybe another writer friend, somebody from a writer's group that says, hey, what have you worked on today? Um, that can also help. That's, 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 <laughs> that's sort of self thing. Like when I, I'm finishing my first real novel, I mean, I've done some beats. My first real novel now. And when I started it, I, Ask Yvonne Navarro, who's a friend, can I send you an email every Friday with the number of words I've written that week and the total? I don't want, she's a busy person. I don't want you to have to give me feedback. I'm not asking for anything. I just want to know that I have to send an email every Friday. <laughs> so when I started, because my goal was let me get to 80,000 words and then I feel like, okay, I got this. I'm, I'm going to do it because otherwise I was afraid I wouldn't. And that worked incredibly well. One week, out of the year, I didn't send it when someone very close to me died, and I was just like, I'm done. You know, but all the other weeks, and it didn't matter if it was 10 words, 2,000 words, 5,000 words, it was just the moving forward. Mm -hmm. Sending that email was a big inspiration for me. Was yes. there a consequence if you didn't send that no, email? No, I would okay. just feel bad. Okay. But I, that's why I sent it every week until I got to 80,000, except for that one. Okay. And I, one word counted. I just couldn't that, that week. Right. Uh, and I was okay with that. I don't think beating yourself up for not doing something is very productive, but knowing I had to send that email out was very productive for me. I also feel like a lot of writers already have a baseline of beating ourselves up. Like, right. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to add anything on top of that. That's humanity, honey. Every human's got a reason for that. I need everybody to not beat themselves up. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, sir. Well, here's the problem I'm having. Right now, I've got 74,000 words, so I've got a lot. Wow. Right? So it's like, as I keep going, it's like the words are harder and harder to get. Mm. It's just now, it's like ringing from a freaking wall. That's not good. Okay. Is, is that stemming from any particular issue, or, I mean... It's like, just like, as I'm going along, as I'm juggling more plot lines and mm. stuff and layers, and it's just harder and harder to write more because I'm balancing more stuff. I want to know whether the, the, you just said juggling more plot lines. Like, are you, is the editor voicing you getting you down? Because well, what if you just follow one of them and get to the end? Okay, I mean, like, I guess what I'm doing is I'm trying to, like, I got this symbolism layer, I got a bunch of social, social commentary I got in there, and then I got the story, and then I've got, like, different subplots. But what if okay. you just follow one of them to the end, my friend? It sounds to me like you're doing a lot of structuring, mm -hmm. and now you're overwhelmed with trying to keep the structuring consistent. 
just follow one of them and get to the end. It sounds like I'm thinking. Alternatively, it may be that it's now the time when you need to sit down and actually plot out the rest so that you have a roadmap. Right. That's another, it's another possibility. That is another possibility. I feel that, like you, stories are organic. Whether you plot them or you pants them, they're organic. I feel like they're living things. So if I try to put too many restrictions on it, it's going to fight back. And I'm going to feel pressure or less motivated to write it because it's fighting me. But I'm asking too many things of it. So if I relinquish some of the control and just let it go where it needs to go, don't think about it too much, then once it is done, I can go back and go like, okay, now I can try to make it do what I want it to do because it, it is a thing that is in the world, it exists. I can it's mold living. it. Yeah. I can mold it. All right, by the way, I am a pantser. That's yeah. Yes. That's yeah. how I approach it. Okay. Secondly, here's another strange thing about me. Writing for me is easy. I give you, but I have to know what I'm, I just don't know where the story is. I know what I'm writing, writing is easy. So let me just add another thing that I don't think any of us have really talked too much about, and that is, I don't believe in forcing things either, since I'm an organic writer. If you're an outliner, then you can create an outline that when you don't feel like you know where you're going, you've got that as a map. I don't have that. I don't, it doesn't work for me. So I will go and write something else. In the, uh, getting up to those 80,000 words, it's not the only thing I worked on was that novel. When I felt empty, I'd go work on something else and then come back. Because I don't think forcing is good whether you do outlines or whether you do it organically. It just not, might not be ready because I believe most writing is done subconsciously. And maybe at, right now your subconscious is working on all this stuff you've already put out and it needs you to go take a walk, run, do the dishes, paint a wall. I'm just saying, you can't always force yourself to. Yeah. Just as a personal observation for me, if I try to put in the symbolism and the layering in the first round, it, I can't do that. I have to wait for me to get to the end so I can see the whole thing and see what is there already that needs to be brought out. Yeah, but I just really but that's feel just, like that is me. Yeah, I just it feel like since you just need to do the plot. Yeah, I think since you've defined that you have all these layers, I would suggest for an exercise is try which of those layers makes you interested and just follow that one to the end, just so you can put the end, like my, he says, the end on it, and then your subconscious may be ready to go and fill in the rest. I think of it sort of like a crock pot. You have all of these ideas, you have all of these ingredients, and then you set it and you forget it. You just kind of let it roast in its own juices for a couple of minutes. You, like she said, go and do something else. Your mind is still working on it. You're not forgetting about it. You're not procrastinating. Your mind is still actively working on it. And sometimes you just need to um, let the juices set for a couple of hours, couple of days, couple of weeks. That's and interesting because that's actually kind of how I, I think of it like a dish and you throw everything and you start trying to think, okay, well now what happens? You don't have to actively mess with it for it to come out well. You just need to let it sit there and do its own thing for a couple of hours and then when it's ready, it's ready. Yeah, it'll come. Yes, sir? Quick question. You mentioned organic writer, Linda. Was mm -hmm. that, is that the same as free writing? Yeah, more or less. Okay. You know, I, I think things develop as they, they go. come. Okay. So on, it's on yeah, it's always a big surprise to me. I'm I'm the person that likes these surprises I'm writing, whereas there are other writers who like to know where they're going exactly. And I found it's really um, really good for me to to do that at this point. Any other audience questions at the time? Yes. Oh. I, I've been working on one of five novels for quite some time. I'm just too embarrassed to say. But my problem is, who's my audience? Is it children? Is it young adults? Is it adults? You know. So I'm just I'm in a quandary there, and trying to because it could fit anywhere. <laughs> okay. So as the organic queen of crazy writing. Um, I never worry about those things. I just tell the story, and it's in the edit that you decide how you want this to be. So I've written science fiction, fantasy, and horror. I don't start off sitting down writing one of those. I have a story, I have a character, I'm in love, I'm crazy, I'm, I'm daydreaming, I'm a daydream writer, and I just go. And then in the rewrite, 
is where I decide, and sometimes it's resulted in me taking a, a story and realizing it's really two or three stories, right? So to me, it's, I, I find it doesn't help me at all to think about the second audience because there's three, right? The first audience is you. So you just write it, tell the story. Then in the edit is when you decide, who am I writing this for? What age group, what blah, 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 you know. Um, is this a science fiction, fantasy, horror, whatever? And if you have like an editor or a publishing house, they will let you know, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, they will let you know, hey, I think this They'll story could be. Want. Yeah. Yeah, they could, this could yeah. be geared toward this direction, it can go towards this direction. And if they want to rewrite, then you rewrite yeah. it towards their. Um, or you split well, it into they two think stories. Who's commercial for? <laughs> who's commercial for, right. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah, you, the, the point is you're the audience as you're writing it. Because yeah. um, I, I tried to mess myself up with that question. Who am I writing to? I, I always said I was writing for the Adult Swim audience. My, <laughs> you know, I, like, my generation, we got the, we grew up on all these 80s cartoons, you know, and so I kind of write towards, like, I'm kind of inspired by those cartoons, Power Rangers, whatnot. But I also have an adult aspect to them as well. And so I could easily, you know, if I put them towards something like, oh, well, this is easily a YA story. You have to take out all the sex and the cuss words. But the story is still there. Or I could go another direction and amp it up a little bit. I was going to say not really. But do I, you guys have a thing I, that you I, do I'm going to have a dissenting voice here. Do so, it. Dissent. 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 I am married to a children's book writer. And, a very good one too. And in if you are writing under adult, you do actually have to be aware of the audience right. as part of the actual crafting of the story. Okay. Because the audience needs at different ages do vary drastically. So you do need to have the actual age of the audience in mind for a given story as you're writing. Sometimes you will find that you guessed wrong and this particular story needs to be slightly older or could be written slightly younger than what you initially started out with. But yes, knowing your audience, whether it is children or YA, um, is something that is A, tricky, but B, essential. Because there's so many more categories in that area. There's yeah, like middle grade. Splitting. I was going to say, okay. I'm doing there's something that I've been told there's is YA. Early reader, there's early chapter book, oh, there's, there's middle grade, there's older middle grade, YA. Right. But you know, <laughs> again, I, I'm, I, think, I think what he's saying is totally valid. But as a sloppy writer, I yeah. wrote this thing. Yeah. I wrote this thing, and then I was later told it was YA because the main character is 13. Starts off there. I was like, OK. <laughs> So, uh, but but how to decide that? That is what your audience is when you're talking in that big range. That is hard, and I don't actually have any good advice. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, possibly, may I make a suggestion? Is you actually talk to children's book writers and talk them the story through with a few of them, and find out what they think that story is because they have the experience to tell. To, Judgment. Do you think it um, is, is because uh, I was just thinking about this as you were speaking, do you think it is um, pivotal on the, uh, pivot on the uh, character, main character in the story you're telling? Yeah, like their age? Like yeah. yeah. Um, it's a complicated. It is partly the age, but it's more what is the concern of the story? Is yeah. it something that a young child has ref frame of reference to understand? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, is it something that a young child is going to be interested in? Yeah. Uh, at what age are they going to be interested in a story about this? And also, how complicated the story is. Because I kind of feel like children, you can take any theme and write it for any age, but you're just writing within the realm of what, like you said, what is it that they can understand? So, you know. The vocabulary. Yeah. So. That's my best advice. So uh, I think I think to tie things together in the theme of like writing the first draft, um, I think the synthesis of everything that we've been saying is like try if you can to write with an audience age in mind, but if you get it wrong, that's okay because your first draft is going to require fixing anyway. 
If you're able to do that work on the front end in the, in the first go around, it means less editing later. But the great thing about writing is that you're not doing it in front of a live audience. And if you mess up, there's always a chance to fix it. <laughs> and nobody's going to know that. <laughs> so I think we had, yeah, several more hands. I, I was just going to say that um, I always suggest that you think, like, try writing like the first five pages in each genre, like in each age group. And then see what is most exciting for you to write. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. That's a good I like that. That's a, a good exercise. Worth trying. Because I, I feel like you're going to be most creative and most productive if you are excited about what you are doing. For sure. And, the, and the way to figure that out is, is to just try. Um, I would suggest it be a little bit more than five pages. <laughs> the, yeah, I mean, in, the, in this case. Why That's a great just idea. Just experiment. Yeah. I think five pages is good because, I mean, as a reader, if you're not hooked within the first five pages, it's not going to happen. And as a writer, if you're not hooked by it, then it's not going to work out. I'm going to, only reason I'm going to say that, but this is final. I was a, at, in an editorial group for um, an anthology called The Book of Shadows, I think it is. And I had to read 700 stories. Oh, my. Guess how that went. <laughs> Since we were not giving feedback and it was blind submission, so I didn't know who wrote anything, my thing was first paragraph. Am I in? Okay. First page. Am I in? Okay. If I'm lost by page five, that's a no. Go to the next one. That's the only way I got through 700. And a lot of publishers and editors and agents have to read a lot of stuff. That, but that's, that for a commercial, for submission purposes. Yes. yes. For a final For final. figuring yeah. out what it the, is. What it is. Am I? Yeah. So, again. Um, the idea of a first draft is a little bit alien to me because by the time I get to the end, the first chapter may be the 600th draft. There, that is a perfectly fine way to write. Yep. If it works for you, go Absolutely. for it. Absolutely. I have, um, there's this one There's this one writer I'm acquainted with, uh, Sarah Beth Durst. She, she mostly does YA, but she also does some middle grade and adult. And she told me once when she started writing, I don't know if she still does this because she has about 20 books now, but when she first launched her career, Such she a said, good writer. she said like, well, what I will do is I will write chapter one, and then when it's time to write chapter two, I will reread and edit chapter one, and then write chapter two, and so she's constantly editing and writing her book at the same time, which is a thought that makes my head melt. But there are people who write that way because they need to, you know, they need to make sure everything is lined up. So, yeah. So you're not a space alien or anything. At least maybe not for that reason. I don't know anything else. Um, but yeah, it's completely valid way to do it. When I start my day, the first thing I'm doing is reading through and line editing what I wrote the day before, so that when I get to the end of that, I'm moving forward. Yeah, I'll reread the last page just to get caught up. And then maybe throw in some brackets. I just, need, I just need to get to the end of that damn thing. So I will reread the last one to just catch myself up and keep moving. But. For what it's worth, I don't call anything a first draft until I get to end. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> the labeling of the earlier parts does not, how many times I've written or rewritten, does not. It is a work in progress until the end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mentor a lot of young writers, and I don't mean age, I mean in, you know, writing, writing. And I always can find, I always know the ones who are really going to end up getting published because they're the ones that finish. And it's not about how good that first draft is. But I've, I've mentored people who just aren't ready to get to the end of something. And I'm like, okay, see you later, bye. Because you got to finish it. I can't help you if you're not right. finishing it. <laughs> I think an important thing about getting through the first draft is uh, forgiving yourself and setting reasonable goals and not pushing yourself too hard. I mean, it's, uh, we're, we're fragile, we, we can, uh, we're creatives, and so we can easily crumble with one bad thought, one bad sentence, one bad review. And, you know, I find I crumble from my own expectations. Uh, I want to do all the words in the day and I just can't do that and then I will beat myself up because I didn't meet that expectation or the story isn't as good as I thought it was or you know I have to be flexible with the story and with myself so yeah, and what I teach in mentoring one new word a day guess what if you sit down and say 
All I have to do today is expectation is one new word, you're always gonna write more than one. Always. I, it's the sitting down, it's getting your butt in the chair and turning the computer on or a piece of paper. That's where that's where things don't go well. I, I would also like to make an important distinction between the ability to write and the ability to not be afraid of writing. These are completely mm. different. Writing a story, finishing a story, making something is absolutely possible for everybody in this room. And, and if, you, if you tell yourself, okay, I'm gonna learn how to write a story, that's a completely different skill set from I'm going to never be afraid of creating again. Like, no, like don't conflate these things. So, <laughs> so when you sit down and you feel overwhelmed and you say, I don't know if I can do this, like, you're, you don't, what you're not trying to do is teach yourself to not be afraid of the creative process. The only thing you're trying to do is put some words on a piece of paper, and that's easy. It's the, it's the being afraid. You can, you can tell yourself, I'm going to be afraid of doing this, but that's not the problem I'm solving. The only problem I'm solving is not my feelings, but like the story in front of me, yeah. and that makes it much smaller and easier to deal with. Absolutely. I read a history of uh, Hemingway and his writing. He, he spoke of writer's block. I like the way he put it. Writer's block, that's looking at a blank piece of page until blood comes out of your sweat pores. Um, what, he, what got him out of that, um, he said, was um, if he could get, even in the worst block, if he get a single declarative sentence on that page, he would be happy for the day. But he had to do that one declarative sentence. Every day. And sometimes, once you get that sentence down, it starts to flow. Yeah. Yeah, I grew up on some time, and I think that's where I came to the one word. No, he's been that readily. <laughs> I mean, like I said, it's I I had a person I talked to some years ago, and I said one word a day, and they're like, I'm not going to get this finished. I was like, it's 365 days in a year. What are you talking about? So I challenged them to try it, and at the end of a year, I got a message in social media saying, I can't believe it, Linda was right. <laughs> I finished it. I have 350 things in print right now, okay, folks? I might have had something to do. I might have known something. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just saying, you know? I mean, if you cook 350 pies, eventually you're going to know how to do a pie, right? right. <laughs> and sent me a message. She said, I can't believe it. I only sat down with this expectation. I finished it. I rewrote it, and I sold it. And I was like, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's also, I mean, getting, getting started in terms of just doing the rough draft or is, is a hard part. Getting started with anything is the hard part. Getting, yeah. sitting down and saying, I am doing it now. I'm opening the thing that I use to write words in the Scrivener, Google Docs, Word, whatever, and I am beginning to type, I am ready. Like, that is the hardest part. That's the wall. Um, and once, and the, and the trick of like, just sit down and write one word is the thing that gets you through the gate and sitting down and saying, I prioritized this, I've made time. Um, and if you if you have the rule one word one sentence one paragraph whatever you'll often find that now that you are through the gate it's easier to keep going like as you were saying like it just flows. I just want to add a comment on that. I liked that one a lot and I haven't applied it, but my brother-in-law who plays guitar pretty professionally, you know, he told me with guitar, oh, you just got to do 15 minutes a day and you'll be surprised how much better you get. So I started doing that about two years ago and it really helped yes. for some of that same reason. And now I'm realizing I looked at, picked up my novel, it's like I hadn't touched it for a month. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think it's time to try something like that. And again, since I believe all writing is done subconsciously, that, you know, somewhere other than in this conscious place where we're drinking water and eating food, stories are being written if you're a storyteller. Mm -hmm. So by sitting down every day and saying, I'm gonna give myself this window, I love what you're saying about uh, at work, at lunchtime, because when I had a day job, that's what I did too. Your subconscious after a while goes, oh, I have this window each day, I'm gonna show up. You need, you need to harness your own habit and the inertia of human beings yes. to like to get into that. And train yourself, because I mean, I, I, every little bit is forward mobility. That's pretty much my, my motto for life, forward mobility. When I get stuck, I get frustrated. And, and then I get in the habit of not getting in the habit of making things happen. So you haven't touched your novel in a month, yeah, because you, you know, I, I go through the same thing where I just stop touching it. I'm like, no, I need to force myself, get into a rhythm so that one word a day, one sentence a day, whatever. And journaling. I've been journaling since 1969. Wow. I have hundreds of notebooks. And I count that as writing. 
to sit and write in a journal some reactions, some thoughts, some, I'm always mishearing words when people are saying much easier poems to write when somebody says something that I hear it a different kind of way. So, you know, journaling, I think is a real good way, again, to just let, you're letting your reaction, your feelings about something that later on you might be able to, I've always used. I mean, all my books are like written from my journals for the most part. You were about to say something, I think? Uh, I have forgotten. Oh. <laughs> I have that effect on people. <laughs> uh, did we have any more questions at the moment? Not yet. Okay. All right. Sorry, um, we have another that's, oh, oh, no problem. No problem. No problem. I know how that is. We're so, to get here. Um, I would like to. I would like to go back um, to something that we were talking about um, earlier. Don't don't self edit while you write. Even though we just gave like the contrary piece of advice about sometimes you have to edit your chapters as you go. Um, well, for... There's a little bit of a difference. Sure. Um, if you are writing editing as you are writing it down on that page, that's a little bit different from going back and looking at what you just did and line editing. Oh, I left out the and things like that. Uh, but if you're editing your stuff as you go and you're constantly rewriting that same passage over and over, that can block you. Yeah, it's, just, it's the forward movement you always want, but some people do. I'll tell you something. Um, I know writers who will not sit down and start writing until they've got it all written in here. God bless them, I wish I could. You know what I'm saying? So by the time they sit down and write, that first draft is pretty tight. You know, but the point of forward movement is the most important thing. So, you know, and I've also figured out, this is something else I do with when I'm mentoring someone, figure out what your edit thing is gonna be. Because then you can avoid it, right? I am the best white room writer, passive voice, <laughs> slippage on point of view person. So I have a checklist of all the things I know when I go and edit, I have to do. By recognizing that when I'm doing my first draft, I don't care because I know I'm going to go back and fix that. You know, so you don't want to be overwhelmed. Talking I'll, heads. <laughs> Say that again. Talking heads. Oh man, yeah. I just do the solid page of nothing but dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, anything that gives you forward movement. You know, as I said, some people will go and re-edit re that word, where you go back <laughs> and you're like editing again and again. Whatever works is what I say, but if you find yourself editing the same chapter and you haven't moved past that chapter, mm -hmm. mm, you might want to do something different. Yeah, that. that. So I know nothing really in terms of like, uh, like terminology like novella and things of that nature because I've never written a book, however I plan to start. Um, so how do you, how do I word this question? Is it important to set like a goal of, I want to write this many words to complete this particular novel or story? Or is that too overwhelming? Meaning, like if I want to, if I say, you know, I want to write an 8,000 word story, now I'm, you know, there's a lot of crap you got to put in 8,000 words, right? In order to make your story count um, and, and, and be readable and be enjoyable. So like, how do you, how do you keep from going Getting overwhelmed and breaking that up. So it's a whatever works for you. Sorry, totally makes sense. It's whatever works for you. To get try it, try it and see if it works. If it doesn't work, try something else. Personally, I don't aim for a length. I just write till I get to the end. Right. When I did the novel, I did aim for eighty thousand words because that was a big thing for me. But I didn't say I'm going to do five thousand a day. I just needed to do keep doing words every day, and once I got to eighty thousand, I felt like, oh, okay, you know, let's do this. The so, story. Oh, sorry. Uh, my my answer might be a little long, so go ahead. The story is going to be as long as it needs to be. Um, if you're looking for any particular word goal, word count goal, um, that's fine. I prefer not to put a limit. I have like a, a range where I would like it to be, oh, I would like it to be at least 25,000 words, but if it goes more than that, awesome. If it's less than that, awesome. No, the story is going to be as long as it needs to be. It will let you know when it's done. You will know when you get to the end whether you're a pants or a plotter. The story will tell you, it's about to wrap up now. And <laughs> I'm just about done with this. And then it will be a thing, and then 
if you want to edit it for a particular word count, you can do that because it exists. You can make it do what you can do the cup trick with whatever scenes you want, as long as you have the material material there to work from. Don't stress yourself out. The fewer restrictions you have on yourself, better. Well, at least for me, that is my personal experience. Um, so uh, my answer has a few points to it. Uh, so if you have if you have never written any, anything before. Um, Something to keep in mind for when you're going to sit down to write regularly is you could give yourself a word count goal every day, or you could you could give yourself a time goal. Um, if you don't know how fast or slow you write, giving yourself an arbitrary word goal might set yourself up for failure because you don't know how fast you are. In the beginning, you might say, okay, I'm gonna try to write for 30 minutes a day, and over a week or two, I'll see an average number of yeah. words I get, I've and then I'll that, figure yeah. out what my pace is. So, yeah. so that's that's one practical tip. Um, another thing, uh, and I will, I will say this as somebody who has written short stories of many different lengths, um, I've sold stories anywhere from 100 words to 20,000 words. Um, I can, by this point, I can tell how big an idea is. I can say, oh, this will take me 8,000 words to get done, this will take me 3,000 words, this will take me 15,000, something like that. Uh, that is a sense that you will probably develop over time if you write quite a lot. Um, for now, if you're not sure how, how big an idea is, like you can't judge, like how do I get this to be 8,000 words, I don't know. Um, I, would, I would echo what Cameron said about it, it will be as long as it needs to be. It's like, especially if this is one of the first few stories you're writing, you can't, like you, you honestly can't tell like how it's gonna come out. I mean, there is some degree of magic to, we don't know how it's gonna come out, that's exciting, but like in the beginning, like you really don't know. Um, I would also be curious as to why uh, why you want a story that is a specific word length? Like, are, are you writing for an anthology that has like a, a word count goal or? No, I, I just, I was just kind of thinking, I'm very, very black and white, very analytical, very straightforward, very like, you know, being military is, you know, tasks, time on target, you know. Okay. Very, I'm very specific in many ways. So I don't want to apply that if it's, necessary or if it would potentially backfire when it comes to you. Okay. Until you so building so on building on his comment, I'm, the more experience you have, the better you'll be able to judge that. Uh, I I, w I will say that if you're if you were if you would be more comfortable writing towards a specific story length like straight out because it's just how your mind works, I would suggest a story of three thousand words rather than eight thousand. One, it's a little bit shorter, so it's kind of easier to get the practice in. And two, that's a very sellable length. Um, so for for selling short fiction, uh, yeah, different places will accept different lengths of stories. It's easy. There are more places that will buy a three thousand word story than an eight thousand word story. Yeah. Um, so up to four thousand, then you can find a lot of markets. Yeah, once you get beyond four thousand. Yeah, I would I would say. Um, but you were also going to add something on top of that, I think. Uh, there is a if you if you are looking for a writing challenge to get a, an exact amount of words, there is a form of writing called flash fiction, where the 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 point is that it is specifically one thousand words. Can you tell a story in one thousand words? And I did that for a year. One of my series uh, that I wrote in 2010 was, it was a space opera, and I told segments. It was like a, one of those old space opera radio plays, but only a thousand words. I was able to tell an entire episode uh, in a thousand words. So if that's something that you want to experiment with, like, hey, I want a specific word goal, that. Uh, if you're really ambitious, there's something called drabbles, which are a hundred word <laughs> stories. You know, if that's something that will get you into the ease of writing and you're really regimented, that would be something that would be cool to start with. And then as you explore more, you're like, oh, you know, I think I can tell more story with more words. And then you can bump up there. I totally support when you're starting writing, exercising. Just like exercise different versions of things. You know, you can even take the same idea and do it in 100 words, 500 words, 1,000 words. Yeah. Because it's like running a, a race. you got to exercise to see what your thing is. You know, maybe your story uh, dance is a certain number. Maybe it isn't. So I, I love the idea of trying different versions of things and see what feels good to you. And also, I don't know if you feel drawn to outlining, but if you're, if you're that um, organized, an outline also might help you to do an outline of what you want so to do. I, so I realize we only have 
five minutes until the yeah. end of the hour, so I think we, we should. Have, we actually have to wrap up. Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, so you were saying that uh, you don't want to do anything over 4,000 words, or it's easier to sell if it's under 4,000 words. Is there kind of a forbidden zone there where if you get over a certain amount, then it becomes easier to sell again, or is it just only if the, you're saying it? This is I'm real hard about this. If a, a publication, magazine, whatever says they want eight thousand words, do not send them eighty one hundred unless you're Stephen King. I mean, because <laughs> publishers and, and so forth really are not happy when people go over and, and then you tell them, well, this is what the story needed. You're not Stephen King. Give them what they say they want. I'm, I'm afraid we have to wrap up. We're a shade over yeah. time. Thank you all for coming. Thank you. Uh, I hope it was helpful. Wait, I want to picture the panel. Oh, okay. Someone take a picture. Thank you for listening to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. And feel free to enjoy our other shows, such as D&D Journey of the Fifth Edition and Scion Ragnarok and Roll, a Scion hero to Ragnarok story. Thank you for listening. Hello, this is Eric. And Wendy Strauss with Stone Valley Hobby and Games. We sell board games, card games, role-playing games, and supplies. We have thousands of Magic the Gathering cards available carry Kickstarter products, and work with veteran-owned small businesses to bring you our own line of products. We are a small business retailer, but we offer competitive prices, a loyalty system, and free shipping on orders over $100. As a military veteran myself, I'm a strong supporter of our armed forces, their families, and contractors out there doing the hard job. So any order from an AA, AE, or EP address will be shipped absolutely free. Remember, StoneValleyGames.com, where we take your leisure seriously.